0: Justin what's up my brother my man Saul how you doing my man happy Sunday hey happy Sunday to you did you have an off day today kind of sorta did you play some golf kind of (laughs) sorta
1: or at least went to the (laughs) driving rooms to work on my game a little bit
0: there you go there you go hey I was I was living the dream here in the house you know working a little bit this morning and then the power went out so uh Naturally, when you get depressed, you start going to the to the liquor store. That's the first place you have to go. So uh, that's what we did. So it's one hundred and five degrees outside in
1: Phoenix. Your power goes out, and the first thing that you think to do is is go to a liquor store.
0: Yeah, man. You know, it's it's just it's, I got to drown my car out <laughs>
1: somehow. I'll tell I'll tell you what though, Saul. I'm excited for today's Total BS podcast because normally on Sundays we have a guest. We didn't get a guest today, but it's going to be us two and, of course, our amazing listeners. And if you're also tuning in live, make sure you um, add some comments, join the conversation, because we always appreciate the feedback and just the overall interaction. But today's podcast is going to be jam-packed. We're going to be talking some NBA. The NBA wanted Zion Williamson to do his thing in the bubble, but instead they got the Bubble Boys and the Red Hot Phoenix Suns, which we'll talk about you know it. I know saul has got a big old grin on her face.
0: already G's. Come on, let's go. I'm sorry. Let's do it. Your fans just might turn into off fans. Be cool, it's
1: just part of the program. Spit your best 16 if you must. You're not whack. You just sound whack rapping after us. Yo, your fans just might turn into off fans. Be cool, it's just a part of this program. Spit your best 16 if you must. You're not
0: whack. You just sound whack rapping after us. Yo, so first of all, we had a big time guest join us earlier this week with Mike Yam from the Pac 12 Network. If you didn't get a chance to check out that podcast, please, please, please go to our podcast uh, platforms and download that podcast. It's definitely worth the listen. We're going to play a few clips from that today. Um, yeah. but man, I'm telling you what, it's, it's he dropped a lot of uh, cool things, some good insight, some knowledge. Um, and like I said, uh, there it is on all the platforms for you guys to see. Uh, and you guys can just click, download that podcast, save it for later while you're watching this show and uh, come back. And uh, mm-hmm. also, by the way, you re- you see this, right? The Coyotes <laughs> baby into the first round of the playoffs. And we already got somebody making a comment on the hat. There you go, Will Coburn. <laughs> there the we go. It's also, a good time to be a Phoenix sports fan. Oh, it's, hey, I, I can't remember the last time I said that. I will say this. <laughs> it's been a long time. So a lot of energy, a lot of optimism around here, and God knows we could use it. Um, also, mm-hmm. you know, we mentioned this last week. We said we had a couple of guests lined up for the week. Mike Yam was one of those guests. This week, we have a super huge podcast. Uh, <laughs> I feel like Justin's about to go ahead. Go ahead, do it to him, Justin. I know you got it ready. What? What's that? Go ahead, hit it. <laughs> uh Miss Sarah Spain from ESPN is going to join us on the podcast this week uh and so it will not be a live stream because uh she obviously, you know, Sarah is a very busy uh woman. She obviously she's a writer, she's a sports host. Uh she does her show. She is uh they're coming back with Spain and Fitz Oh nice. 17th is something that ended about a year ago and she was she was doing Spain and company for a little while but now Spain and Fitz is back in the house starting uh the 17th and so she's going to come on we're going to talk about a little bit of everything. You know, she's a Chicago girl. We might t- talk a little last dance and and her her thoughts on that. We're going to talk a little college football which we're about to get into. It's just I'm telling you right now is a great time to take a listen to this podcast and really come aboard because we got some great things coming up
1: we have amazing guests and that's one thing that we we're really trying to emphasize because i mean we're trying to draw people in and one thing that draws our listeners is when we get these interesting guests and we, you know sarah spain is as good as it gets i mean we're we're talking about a pros pro um, she does a little bit of everything at espn and her analysis and everything that she does is just incredible and then in mike Yim's thoughts on the state of college football for 2020 is very interesting Saul and I got to say I was actually surprised because this is a guy from Pac12 Networks at Pac12 Networks a part of it obviously you know covering the Pac12 uh you know all 12 schools but t- to add some positivity and some promotion for the conference for Mike Yam to be real about the state of college football and where sports are at heading into the fall it is very eye opening and I highly recommend everyone to go check out the episode it's posted on apple Podcasts, spotify go check it out but obviously do it after you listen to this podcast
0: absolutely and and you know what justin we might as well start off right there college football is on the ropes it seems a lot of the university presidents and athletic directors will be meeting this week to talk about that very particular subject and oh my goodness you know i think on the surface it all started with the mac and the Mac dropping yeah. out saying they were going to postpone everything until the, until the, the spring. And right away, you can feel everybody's, uh, you know, sphincter kind of tighten up. Like, Oh, is this, is this the first marble? Is this the first marble to go or the first domino to drop? And I think it is. And I think people are starting to come to that realization, but there's a lot more layers to it than just that. Right, Justin.
1: There's a, there's a lot of layers uh, to this. and, the MAC is a non-power five conference, so there were a lot of people who thought, like you and me, saw were like, "Oh no, is this the first domino?" But then there were other people that understood. Well, the MAC doesn't have as much money as the SEC or the ACC or the Big Ten or the Pac-12. So I think if you're looking at dollars and cents here, maybe it's it makes sense because they don't they can't afford to do uniform testing. And then when I say dollars and cents, I'm sure people are like, what schools need football in order to fund their athletic programs, but not so fast. Maybe a lot of these schools are going in the same route as the PAC 12. We talked with Mike Yam about the loan program that the PAC 12 uh, could go through if they were to, not play football this season and also fall sports, which could be $83 million for each school around the conference to cover their loss. And that's the max. And it doesn't also include uh, private schools like USC and Stanford. So when you see the number of 996 million close to a billion dollars, people think, Oh my goodness, that is a lot of money. How could any conference recover from that? But it's at a 3.75% rate over the course of 10 years. And plus, the, you know, there's so much money that goes into media rights that these conferences could cancel the fall sports season and then adopt this loan program. But listen, the, the Power Five commissioners, they're all going to meet together over the next few days, and we could figure out what's
0: going to happen with college football this year.
1: Yeah.
0: And it its I don't think it looks good. I, yeah, I really I mean, don't. It doesn't. And, and leadership is something we'll get to in a, in a minute. But first, I think the first, uh, the the more important thing, I, I think, on the player's mind is their safety, their overall well-being. Um, in addition to being compensated fairly, by the way, shout out to Scooby Dooby Q out there in Kansas City for the shout out. Uh, I, I saw that across the bottom. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think that's the that's the most important thing is that these players want their value. And if they're going to put themselves at risk. That value has to be equal to the danger that they're putting themselves in front of, right? And Mike Yam kind of talked about that when we talked to him this past week. I've been on record months
2: and years ago, like these dudes should be able to make cash off of their name, image, and likeness. What's fair is fair, um, and I appreciate the scholarship argument, and and I totally agree with it. And this whole idea of being an amateur, but if I'm a talented musician on a particular campus and you know, so-and-so you guys on your show say, Hey, we're going to go and pay you to, to write our theme music for our show. Like, okay, cool. Like I got that talent and that ability to go and do so. Why shouldn't I be able to capitalize it? And I'd say the same thing for the athlete. And maybe that musician is on, on full scholarship. I, I just, to me, they they should get that. And I'm glad NIL is going in their favor.
0: I mean, the, the player movement is a very real thing right now. It is. And, and I think it's gotten so much momentum uh in and, and, and on different levels, you know. Mike obviously pointed out earlier this week that when the big or when the Pac 12 came out with their statement and their their you know requirements, if you will, uh the Big Ten followed suit later on, and it was a kind of a different set of demands, uh, especially when it comes to revenue. I think the Big Ten players were more focused on safety, playing, um, and and moving forward that way, whereas the, the Pac 12 players were wanting some major revenue in return. A fifty percent revenue split, I don't care what industry you are. Employees, just about in every industry, are never going to get a fifty percent revenue split. So the lack of, you know, the the lack of um, advice that these players might have gotten uh, kind of undermined it, what it was that they tried to do, right? But at the core of it, at the core of it, what we're talking about is trying to make sure that you get an opportunity to profit off of yourself. That's what the core of this is, right? And then after that, we're also talking about safety. We're also talking about, you know, possible scholarship lengthening um, and getting your just due for putting yourself at risk. And I think because of this COVID situation, it has made it a lot more obvious what these players want and what they should be doing as they move forward it's it's a very very tricky and very slippery slope for both a- angles yeah 50%
1: revenue even in a normal world is still a huge reach and i applaud them for standing up and creating this union because now is an important time to be a student athlete now is an important time just to be an athlete in general with the way the world is outside of just covid and that's why i applaud the pac12 players Union if you if that's what you want to call it, the we are United movement uh, for emphasizing uh, focusing on racial injustice and getting justice um, you know for all and it's it's very commendable and, I, and again, I will continue to applaud them, but the fact is is that the PAC 12 is kind of the odd man out in this whole thing because other conferences and other players around the country, they want uniform testing because they want to be able to play football. If schools if if like, for instance, in the Big Ten, if one school isn't testing as much as another school, it's a wrap to to me. That just spells chaos for the future, because then there could be an outbreak during this condensed season. And then and then the NCAA and college football is going to get to a point where it's like, okay, now what? What are we going to do with this team that we got to face this week that has over half its players test positive for COVID-19?
0: Look at look at Major League league Baseball is a perfect example of that. You know, individual teams, maybe not taking every single necessary precaution available. And now you're seeing teams here and there with players testing positive because maybe they're not taking it as seriously or as strict as they should be. Now times that by what? 10, 15 per team. You know what I mean? Like that's a huge amount of of variable when it comes to individual people and putting them on campus. And if you can't trust the University of Arizona because they're not doing it the same way that ASU is doing it and they're not doing it the same way Utah's doing it or Colorado State or Syracuse or North Carolina, like, where are we going? You know what I mean? Like, it's just never going to work. So mm-hmm. I understand why the players are doing that and why they want it to be completely uniform and they want it to be stringent because they want to know that once they step on that football field, their safety was paramount to anything else. Exactly. And the Pac-12 players, they were kind
1: of the first ones to set the tone and get everyone behind them. But then they met with their leader, right? They want to figure out, okay,
0: does... does, That's a pretty loose term, I think. (laughs) Does our
1: leader support what we are doing? Mm-hmm. And lavish Larry Scott, the Pac-12
0: commissioner, <laughs> lavish Larry. I would man. call him. I call him Leisure Larry because I just envision if he was in the seventies, he'd have one of those one of those butterfly you know suits <laughs> with the with the open and the like. Nice, you know the the pattern. You know because you got to coordinate. You got to coordinate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this man, how much did he spend a night uh, on a room in in Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament? Was it twelve thousand? Something like that. <laughs> it, it don't don't quote me on that, but it I'm was to get a house because I'm sure it, that party it, is lit. It, you know, Larry Scott does a party. <laughs> <laughs> this man, it, 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 he he's probably that guy that just spends all this money thinking he, he's going to be the main attraction. In in reality, he's in his room all by himself. <laughs> but going back to to Larry, the the players actually virtually met with Larry Scott to see if their leader, their commissioner can get behind them on this. And then Larry Scott comes out and says that this, we are united movement is a PAC 12 is a PR stunt by the PAC 12 players. And they really weren't as informed as maybe they should have been. Maybe they weren't informed with requesting the 50% revenue, but to heat to, if I'm a player in the PAC 12 and I see, my commissioners say that we are doing all of this to profit yeah, and to focus on racial injustice. And you think this is all a PR stunt. You know, Larry Scott to me was never about the student athletes to begin with. He was all about the money and generating money for the conference. And I get it that that's a part of your job, but you also have to be all about the student athletes. And you have to put these guys first because guess what? At the end of the day, these guys are making you your money so you can mm-hmm. afford to spend $10,000 a night in Las Vegas.
0: Well, it's, it's funny that you bring up leadership and you bring up Larry Scott because that's kind of part of part two of this problem, right? Like I said, there's many layers, not just two of them, but you know, the lack of leadership all the way across college football you know, there's not one specific person that you have to go to to make sure that everybody else falls in line. And I think that's part of the problem. And Mike Yam touched on that as well. Lack of leadership at the top. Who's making the call on this stuff? Like legitimately, who is?
2: Power five football doesn't. It's autonomous. Like they don't they don't have to listen to the NCAA, essentially. Like they can just kind of do whatever they want. You know, I, when all this stuff was happening, we were talking about schedules. I could tell you all the all the P5 commissioners are on a somewhat daily call. When the Big Ten, Kevin Warren comes out and says, Hey, conference only schedule. And a day or two later, Bob Bowlesby's like, No, like, we're not even considering that right now. I'm thinking, Ooh, like, this is, we're not all on the same page here. A couple of days later, Pac 12 follows the Big Ten. They say conference only. Still the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, not ready to announce anything. To me, that says there's not this uniformity um, at that level.
0: I mean, he hit it on the head. That's exactly what the problem is. And it starts, yeah. honestly, I think people have this misconception that Mark Emmert, you know, at the, the, the head of the NCAA, pretty much, um, can really push the buttons and, and pull the strings. That's not exactly the case. Each individual conference has its own power within its own conference to essentially nullify the season, right? Um, yeah. So if the SEC or the Pac 12 or the Big Ten come out and say, we're not playing sports this year until the spring. Guess what? You can't have a college football season because you're not going to have a college football playoff without one of those major, you know, conference, you know, leaders. So, what do you do? It's it just yeah. it's so crazy, it's so difficult and to Yam's point, there's a lot more people pulling the strings than than just one person, and that's mm-hmm. the problem. Now, I will say this, with the Pac-12 players threatening to opt out
1: of the season if these expectations aren't met by the conference there's also other players who are starting this social media hashtag saying hashtag we want to play and -hmm. it's not just the pac 12 it's in the big 10 it's all across the board so a lot of these college football players they want to play the upcoming season in the fall um i mean trevor lawrence for example
0: he says he wants to play yeah but guess what the reason why he wants to play too let's let's again Everybody has an agenda, right? Everybody has a a motive. Now, whether that motive is pure or not is debatable, depending on who you're talking to. But Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be a surefire number one pick next year in the draft. He doesn't want to wait till spring to play and possibly risk injury that close to the draft. There's no way. that If they push it to spring, Trevor Lawrence is no longer ever – he's never going to play for Clemson again, period. So, you know, of course he wants to play. What about – what about, you know, little Johnny Hill, you know, third string tailback for the University of Wyoming? Like, I th- does it matter what he says? You know what I'm saying? So, like, I understand the idea of wanting to play this year because there's a lot of money on the line and a lot of money on the line for more than just the universities. At the same time, what do you do? There's no, there's no best option. I just searched
1: Johnny Hill on Google, and he totally actually <laughs> recently played at Drake University as a football player. I just put in Johnny Hill <laughs> football, and the last thing I got was Johnny Hill playing at Drake as a running back um, in 2018.
0: There you go. I could have said David Johnson, but yeah, yeah, nah.
1: But you know, I from what I've gathered over the last um, couple days, I mean, it was really it all started on Saturday with the Mac saying that you know they're canceling fall sports and they and they're just going to to move forward um from the people that I have watched on Twitter and have spoken to I'm thinking we're going to get a decision um probably Monday or Tuesday on the college football season Nicole Auerbach just uh, tweeted literally as we're recording this podcast uh, on Sunday night the Big 10 met and they still have yet to make a decision. So they're going to carefully deliberate, and eventually they're going to make a decision. Will that be the right decision? I don't know. But obviously, there's a reason why I'm on this podcast and not making those decisions.
0: I mean, again, we're talking about money. Money, you know, what, what was what did Wu Tang sing? You know, cash rules everything around me. That's right. it. I mean, it's true. That's it, it. It is the motivating factor. Now, are these conferences really at the best interest of these of these players? and pushing everything to the spring because they're worried about the safety precautions, or are they just trying to buy themselves more time in order to get fans back into the stadium to make more money? Which one is it? You know what I'm saying? And so that's the difficult, you can't accuse a conference of doing that if you don't really know, but you know, that that is a very real possibility that that is a motivation for some of these commissioners, because a lot of them rely so heavily on football to really provide money for the rest of the athletic department. And so, it, it's a confusing and it's very complex situation on multiple fronts. Not only money, not only likeness, not only COVID, not only social justice. It's it's just everything all in one yeah. bubble. And unfortunately, um, that bubble is about to pop. It seems like it's going to pop this week. Now, speaking of, bubble. Speaking of the bubble, <laughs> see how I did that? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the bubble down in Orlando, the NBA – Another week, it's been fantastic to watch. And I got to say something, Justin, I know your Lakers have been kind of up and down. You know, they beat the Lakers and they lose a couple games. But you know who hasn't lost yet in the bubble? is the Phoenix Suns. And man, has it been fun to watch, especially Devin Booker. I mean, averaging over 30 points a game. He's been awesome. Hits hits a, a shot around Kawhi over Paul George to win it against the Clippers. I mean, he's been everything you hoped he would be, and more. And you're really see- starting to see this Suns team come about. But, 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 <laughs> what's the but? But you know, as a Phoenix Suns fan and an Arizona sports fan, it's like no, it's like it's like either the universe or just individuals that are rotten to their core just can't let us enjoy this one little nugget of purity. They just, they got to poop all over our salad just because. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that individual this week was one Mr. Draymond Green. Of course it is. It's great to see Book playing well and Phoenix playing well, but get my man out of Phoenix. It's it's not good for him. It's not good for his career. Sorry, Chuck, but uh, they got to get Book out of Phoenix. I need my man to go somewhere where he can play great basketball all the time and win because he's that type of player. Are you tampering? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I fifty thousand dollars out of your pocket and you deserved every single cent of it, Draymond Green. I'm talking to you. Keep your nose out of Phoenix's business. Hey, I'm telling you what, Devin Booker, for what he's worth, since I've ever known him, ever, ever seen him play, ever heard him speak about the Phoenix Suns, he has always been dedicated to the franchise. He wants to make Phoenix a destination more than he wants to leave it. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a guy like Draymond Green who continuously tries to recruit, you know, it's like, dude, I'm not even trying to hear you. I'm not – somebody said I'm not trying to hear somebody who, who averages a, a a single triple – a triple single. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. <laughs> and I'm not trying to hear that. You know, Draymond's a great defensive player and he's a great talker. That's where it all ends, right there. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So you can miss me with that mess. You know my favorite Draymond Green
1: moment was when Paul Pierce was playing for the Clippers and uh, Paul Pierce was just sitting on the sideline just just yelling at Blake Griffin, "Come on, BG, he's too little, he's too little." And then Draymond Green said, "Well, okay, you're in your last year. We'll keep chasing that farewell tour because, you know, guess what? They don't love you like that. What do you, would you think you were Kobe? Great trash talker, unbelievable trash talker, ultra competitor." But he's one of the most annoying guys in the NBA. Uh, yeah. I don't think he's as annoying as Pat Beverly, even though Pat Beverly, I do get a laugh out of him every every single time. I love, me. I
0: love me some Pat he, Bev.
1: He's gritty. <laughs> he's he's a gritty guy. But my goodness, you know, Dr- I, I, Draymond Green talks like the guy who really didn't contribute to the group project. All he really did was put it, you know, do a little bit. He supervised. And he got an A+. plus. I'm sorry that you were paired with probably the greatest backcourt of all time or at least the greatest shooting backcourt of all time. I'm sorry you had Kevin Durant, one of the top small forwards the game has ever seen, come and, and, and be your teammate. Draymond Green contributed to, the, to those championship teams with his defense. I'll give you that. But who was guarding LeBron James in all those NBA finals? Here? <coughs>
0: Andre Iguodala. It was definitely
1: Andre Iguodala. And what about against the the Toronto Raptors? Just saying, you know, you you are supposed to be this great defensive player and yet you couldn't even guard the other team's best player instead they had a guy who's a little bit older than you and isn't I mean, considered Kawhi, a top player Siakam tore him up. Like exactly. Exactly. And 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 when those two players, like I just mentioned in Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, when they go down with injury and they're gone for most of the year, Kevin Durant's in Brooklyn, what happened with the Golden State Warriors? When you were asked to carry the team, you, you're over here debating whether you're going to pick LaMelo Ball or Anthony Edwards in the NBA draft. <laughs> that right there just irritates me ab- about Draymond Green.
0: <laughs> Teddy Kilman, <laughs> Pat Bev, Pat Bev the piranha. The piranha.
1: <laughs> But the, the thing that bothers me the most, Saul – is $50,000 is nothing with this fine because Ernie Johnson straight up asked him, are you tampering right now? And he was like, uh, maybe. Meanwhile, Magic Johnson, when he was the, the president of basketball operations with the Lakers, all he did was compliment Giannis Antetokounmpo publicly, never once said that, Oh, we gotta get Giannis out of Milwaukee and maybe have him come to L.A.
0: I don't There's know. There's a big difference. Justin. He was
1: fined half a million dollars. There's a big for difference,
0: it. though. There's a big difference. Who can make moves actually happen? An executive or a player? Whoops. True. <laughs> but don't give I me mean, that. That's the reason why you're okay. just salty because it was a Laker that got busted. That's True. all it is. But
1: but all Magic Johnson did was just compliment Giannis Antetokounmpo, and next thing you know, he's getting
0: fined half a million dollars. For hey, it. I'm telling all the Suns right what? now, if you're watching this stream, if you get word of the stream, hey, shout out every single player you possibly can because this is the shine you're going to get right now for the next week. Like all the limelight is on you. dude. The Suns might make the playoffs. They and, might. And, and people forget that, that the 8-9 matchup is still a possibility because all they have to be is within four games of the number eight seed. Then they get to the play in game and that play-in game is uh, they would have to win two, and then whoever's the eight seed would have to win one. But still, that's there's your chance. There's your chance to get in the playoffs. And then guess who they would play in the first round? Justin,
1: my loss. Yes, sir. Like <laughs> but but going back to going back to your point about Devin Booker, the Phoenix Suns recognized that he was going to be an All-Star caliber player, a, a franchise player, the the face of of the team. And so that's why a couple years ago they threw him that crazy contract so they can lock him in. three million for five years. The first year started this year. This year. You have DeAndre Ayton paired with him. That chemistry seems to be great. Monty Williams should be the coach of the L.A. Lakers right now. But he's now with the Phoenix Suns, and he is such a great coach. So I'm excited for the Suns' future. I really am because Devin Booker is a great player. But we've always been talking about, well, can he really win in Phoenix? You know, he's out here scoring 30 points a game and having these ridiculous performances, but they're still losing. The Phoenix Suns are red hot right now, and I never thought that I'd be saying that they are fighting for a playoff spot. And if they were to play the Los Angeles Lakers, I think we're going to have to put a little total BS wager
0: on that series. You're just one injury away from getting eliminated in the first round, Justin. Just one injury (laughs) Alex Caruso? Yeah, that's it, baby. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Honestly, if I had to pick one player that I hate the most on the Lakers, it's not LeBron. It's not AD. It is hands down Alex Caruso because you guys love him so much, and it just annoys the hell out of me. (laughs) That's the only reason. Because he's got
1: an atrocious hairline, and – he is such a great story. Like he, he was undrafted played at the G league, but all of a sudden he's emerged as this incredible role player and a guy who's got sneaky bounce. They don't, don't call him I mean, all I the for no reason. So. I, I, okay.
0: Um also somebody else that kind of gets under my nerves uh, is Mr. TJ Warren scoring Warren. Is that what you call them scoring? Warren? Yeah. No, TJ scoring. Yeah. TJ scoring. Yeah. Well, his, he's been, his, he's been pay- on fire in the bubble. Yes, his
1: Pacers teammate, T.J. McConnell, I stole it from him, by the way, because okay. uh, T.J. McConnell was mic'd up, and he said, T.J. scored. I came up with that on the spot. Tony-
0: like, of course, it's T.J. McConnell. <laughs> Tony Buckets is what they call them around here. But okay. uh, T.J. Warren's been on fire until he met the Phoenix Suns, and Mikhail Bridges locked that ass up. And, uh, you know, hey, if you face your old team, and I, I will say this, earlier in the season, T.J. Warren battled the Suns, and there was a little trash talk in that game. They met. They matched up again. Yeah, TJ could live up to the hype. I'm just saying. Mikhail Bridges also, by the way, Mikhail Bridges, don't play. Way he he very much reminds me of like a Scottie Pippen type of hybrid player. A uh, long, lengthy arms can play multiple positions. Love it. But anyway, TJ Warren, I, I just I just want to say this. This idea that TJ Warren was wrong, and people are saying, oh, you know, cash considerations and blah, blah, blah. First of all, TJ Warren did not fit in with this team. I don't care what anybody says. Scoring-wise, he he pretty much was just about himself. When the ball, it was like he was like the black hole. When the ball would go to him, it would just disappear. That's it. Like it just happened. And so yeah. TJ Warren being, you know acclaimed this, you know, this awesome score and I can't believe the Suns traded him. Miss me with that mess, man, because if if the Suns don't trade him, they just wanted to free up some cap room. That's all they wanted to do. They didn't care about anything else. And they did so and got Ricky Rubio, which they desperately needed a point guard and he's made a huge difference mm-hmm. and they were able to re-sign Kelly Oubre, who schematically and for their scheme was a much better fit than TJ Warren. Absolutely. And
1: People are saying, well, TJ Warren was putting up numbers as a Phoenix Sun, and it's, and it's kind of going back to my whole point about Devin Booker. Yeah, it's all great that you're putting up 20, 25 points in a game, but yeah. you're also losing, and you're doing it against just absolutely terrible teams. TJ Warren is, is on a hot streak right now. Oh, yeah. uh, there's no doubt about it. Look at like, Let's look at his game log ever since entering the bubble against Philadelphia. 53 points against the Wizards, 34 points against the Magic, 32 points against Saul's Phoenix Suns, 16 points, Ooh! and against my Los Angeles Lakers, 39 points. So, the only team that he didn't give a 30 piece to were the Phoenix Suns. But what's so
0: up, don't let <laughs> <me> <laughs> <have>. <laughs> no, um,
1: I will say this the most impressive part about TJ Warren and his incredible bubble streak is that he's shooting at the ball 61%.
0: I mean, he's playing phenomenal.
1: He's playing pretty good, but listen, it's, it's just a streak. And I applaud TJ Warren because I think he's going to uh, get a, a little bit of a bonus or at least the next contract that he signs, he might earn a little bit more money because then he could say, well, look what I did against all these incredible teams in the NBA bubble, but it's just a streak. It's over the course of eight games. A lot of people forget so many great or so many average players had incredible streaks and people were talking about oh let's pay this guy Jeremy Lynn Jeremy Lynn Exactly Lynn Sanity (laughs) New York Knicks New York Knicks fans were ready to give this man like a Carmelo Anthony Amari Stoudemire. Put the statue outside the
0: the garden. That's what it was, baby. Exactly sanity was a real thing.
1: And it it didn't really turn out to be anything. I love TJ Warren. I love it. But I'm telling you what, it's just a streak. Let's see how he finishes off the bubble season. Then we can say if TJ Warren's a really good player. And I also need to see next year as well. I don't need to see just eight games and then all of a sudden, oh, cash considerations uh, was the one that that got
0: away from the Phoenix Suns. I don't That's what he should have put on the back of his jersey, cash considerations. <laughs> that, that would have been pretty funny. Oh, um also talk about overhyped. And and I understand Luka Doncic is a great player. I I do not I do not dispute that not one bit. But come on. I understand he made it between the legs pass against Milwaukee. I get that. Do we realize James Harden does that like every other game? You know what I'm saying? Like mm. that's where the hype can miss me. Like I just don't understand people that don't really pay attention or don't watch every single game, and they're like, and they see something for the first time, and they make it seem like it's the first time in the history of the game that's ever happened. No, son, it isn't. Luca didn't invent basketball. I don't care what you Dallas Mavericks fans out there think. James Harden has done that between the legs pass a million times. There's actually clips on Twitter that point out that fact. And so, like, I'm over the 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 Luca hype train. Uh, future MVP. I would, I you know what? Honestly, I would be surprised if Luca didn't win an MVP at some point. He is that good. But again, if he hits a three pointer, it's not the first three pointer in the history of the game. Okay, let's just let's just yeah. take it from here and bring it down to here. Okay, oh. let's just chill. <laughs> did you just do a, a Ross Geller? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we mix it all over the place here, baby. Um, and well, then Luke, go oh, ahead, go ahead.
1: I'll no, say, well, Luca. I think the reason why so many people were hyping up that between the legs play was one, Giannis Antetokounmpo was guarding him, a guy who's probably going to win MVP this year and defensive player of the year. And And it was at a critical point in the game. It was in the last minute. It, it. it, It was pretty much the play that sealed the deal for the Dallas Mavericks. But I agree with you Saul. I mean, it's these are plays that we see from a lot of players and just because he was this European player that nobody really thought would be this great, everybody is just completely um all over him. But
0: Yeah. No, I totally get it. I totally get it. I I understand the hype, but let's just not make every basketball play seem like it's greater than it actually was. It was just it was a great basketball play. That's it. Yeah. Like we can appreciate just a great basketball play for being just a great basketball play. It doesn't need to be like anointed top five of all time in something, you know, like just yeah. chill, chill, yeah. chill, chill, chill. Uh, And then last but not least, the eighth spot in the West, kind of crazy. You got the Blazers, you got the Suns, you got the Spurs, you got the Grizz. Those are the four teams that are left because you said that the Pelicans are eliminated and the Kings eliminated.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, And like you said, Adam Silver tried to try to give this one to the, To the Pelicans, and they were like, get that mess out of here. We ain't ain't trying to go back to to the bubble. We're trying to go back home to New Orleans.
1: Adam Silver wanted that first-round playoff matchup to be
0: Pelicans,
1: Zion versus LeBron. Zion
0: Zion hasn't looked like himself, though. He hasn't looked like himself this entire time. He's looked not slow, but he just doesn't look right, right? Yeah. Well, and I also think,
1: too, maybe he's on a little bit of a short leash. Because he was pretty pissed off about his minute restrictions. Like There was a game earlier in the bubble in which they lost, and Alvin Gentry took him out because he was on that minute's restriction because of his injury. And Zion Williamson was very upset about that. And, and so maybe he kind of checked out of, of the bubble where it's like, okay, look, we are fighting for a playoff spot. Every game in this eight-game regular season matters. If you're not going to play me, the number one pick, the guy who's supposed to be the face of your franchise in crunch time, then what the hell am I even doing here? So maybe this is Zion Williamson just completely checking out and being done with the bubble, but the NBA really wanted that Zion versus LeBron, and they're going to end up with AD versus DeAndre Ayton.
0: Hey. hey. <laughs> there we go. I like how you did that. Yo. Hey, I wouldn't be mad at that at all. It's either that. I mean, outside of the Spurs, pretty much every matchup, honestly, if the Suns can't make it, you know who I want to see in the first round against the Lakers, right? Portland. Oh, yeah, Dame Dollar baby. Portland. Oh man, hey. You cuz and and that should scare you because it, Portland yeah. is a very legit team as an 8 seed. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, you know, go ahead. Well, and,
1: they, and the only reason why they're even in this position to begin with is because they were battling injuries all year long. And now Yus- Yusuf Nurkic was out all year long. He's a seven footer that can do a little bit of everything for them, and he and he's so versatile. And they had other guys that were dealing with injury. Carmelo Anthony was still trying to kind of find his legs coming back of the NBA. Ever since he's been in the bubble, he's looked solid. In one of the games, I mean, I'm blanking on who they were playing, but he hit a crunch time three pointer to pretty much lift them to win the game. They have so many unique pieces. Saul, I'm scared. Me being a <laughs> Lakers fan, I would be the first one to tell you I am scared for all those reasons that I just said. They're healthy. And who's going to guard Damian
0: Lillard? No, no. Well, first of all, nobody can guard Damian Lillard, just like nobody can guard LeBron James. Damian, I, D- Dame can. Cross half court by one foot and just launch and hit. You know what I mean? So, like, he's got such a skill set for such a versatile guard um, and at his size, which is just remarkable. Uh, but it, it's going to be interesting to see how this 8C plays out. Uh, you know, I unfortunately, I really wish that. The Blazers could have played the Clippers in the first round, but that ain't going to happen because that Pat Bev and Dame Lillard, uh, a little beef along with Paul George. By the way, can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, I I Uh, was
1: was hoping we would.
0: Dame Lillard has every reason to tell those two to shut the hell up, especially Paul George, because dude dropped the game-winning, the series-winning bucket on his head last year. Like, what are you talking about, Paul George? Some people can't take it. Dude, you can't take it. Yeah, People that can't take it have to talk. Paul George and Pat Bev were talking. That's all I'm going to say.
1: But Pat Bev was funny because he was just on the sideline, just the chirping. Yeah. And then he, when Damian Lillard choked on the free throw line, and he did, he did choke. He did. he did. And that's usually not what we've seen out of Damian Lillard. Usually in those moments, he comes up big time. But he choked on the free throw line and then they pan the camera over to Patrick Beverly and he's constantly pointing at his wrist, you know, mocking the the daytime slogan. And then you have, you know, Paul George saying, you know, some people can play and talk trash, some can't. And then Damian Lillard clapped back on Instagram and said, dude, you switch so many teams. Oh, yeah. You you, like you, you're what do you say? You boys is chumps. Yeah. He called that he called them all chumps and said, listen, you're always switching teams. You've never had success. And this is the same Paul George who's been the victim of game winner after game winner after game winner. He's a victim of a game winning shot in the NBA bubble against your Phoenix Suns, Saul. Devin Booker's game winner against the Clippers. Who is it over? Paul George, who by the way slapped his hand and should have been called a foul, but it didn't. And the greatest thing Paul George has ever done as an NBA player is take the LeBron led Miami Heatles to seven games. And you know what he did in that game seven? He dropped nine points It was kind of like MIA. Yep. That that's what Paul George has done in the NBA. Damian Lillard, incredible player. He's done so much for that franchise. I'm I'm with Dame. I I, I'm not a really such a big fan of Paul George with how he's handled things over the last couple of years, but listen, no team wants to see the Portland Trail Blazers in the playoffs, not the Clippers, not the Lakers. So I'll leave it at that. In
0: short, when we talk about Paul George, we're basically saying. (laughs) Don't be that guy. Just don't be that guy. It's just Damn that you, simple. Paul George! Damn you, Paul George! Damn. So I'm gonna lead it off this week. Uh, I have a young lady who was just having a good time in the back of a truck, and uh, <laughs> they went into a parking garage. And uh, I'm just say, keep your head up, because you never know what's coming your way. It's okay. No, you did. You no, know you did. Amanda. No, you Amanda. Did. Amanda. Amanda.
1: No no, 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 i know you're not okay, but I-
0: <laughs> she hit that pole so damn hard. So uh, for those of you who are listening on the podcast tomorrow, uh, what it was is this young lady was in the back of a truck and she was sitting on the you know kind of the the arm of the truck, if you will, you know the higher part of the the bed of the truck. And they went into a parking garage and you know those those beams that tell you like nothing over six foot six can come into clearance. This- yeah, the clearance beam. <laughs> Yeah, she smacked her head against one of those things. Didn't see it coming. You know what? It's okay. <laughs> that noise, I can listen to that noise. I'm it's okay.
2: <laughs>
0: one more time. It's okay.
1: <laughs> and then her friend, like holding in the laugh, but also feeling so bad for her friend. Yeah. And then they pan the camera back over to her and she looked like she was just going
0: through it. Like, she was like, oh, oh. I, think I, I think I split my head open. <laughs> uh, should we do it one more time? Yes. Yes. Okay.
1: <laughs> the noise will never not be funny. Oh
0: my gosh. We should put that on a loop and make a sound out of that, man. <laughs> uh, so uh, we call her Amanda Bang. <laughs> 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 oh, man. So uh yeah, not not a, not a good start for for that young lady that night, but uh hopefully she's okay and she she recovered. One more time.
1: One oh, more I time. just deleted it. Oh, I'm sorry, dang buddy. it. Oh, dang man. it.
0: Anyway, you're don't be that guy.
1: So everyone has that significant other that they want to spend the rest of their life with. Well, this couple decided or I wouldn't say she decided, this guy decided I'm going to propose to my significant other on the nose of a boat out in the middle of the ocean. And when he asked his boy, family member, best friend, I don't know who it is, but when he asked for the engagement ring, the engagement ring, guess what happened? It went a little... Are you stupid?
0: (laughs) What? Are (laughs) you kidding me? Just epic failure.
1: Are you stupid? That's my favorite part of the video because it sounds like the rapper 6ix9ine. I don't like him.
0: I don't like 6ix9ine, but
1: doesn't it kind of sound like 6ix9ine in the background?
0: I have never listened to Takashi trash 9 ever, man. Don't ever ask me that question again. I don't blame you. Because I don't listen to snitches. I don't don't like that dude. I don't blame you, but he looks play. nasty as hell, man.
1: I know, I know. He looks a little grimy, but pl- play the clip again. We, we, I, j- I just got to see it. <laughs> Are you stupid? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? It's Get it.
2: <gasps> Are you kidding me?
1: You know hey. the guy who proposed was very relieved because you can hear him at the end saying, "It's floating." It's right there because I know for about four seconds that guy really thought that ring sank all the way so to the bottom of the ocean.
0: There's a bigger clip out actually out there on TikTok, um, a little bit longer, and they do get the ring back. So whew, big sigh of relief there. Cause that's what I was worried about. I was like, oh man, how much money is going down to the bottom of the ocean right now? This is this is terrible, man. It's like it's like you were just like, you know, I don't know, it's in okay. the back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh I re-uploaded it for you, buddy. There you it's, go. Thank you. Thank um, so you. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, the guy that jumped in the water, that's your new best man right there. It's not the dude that was holding on to that that ring and toss it in the ocean like it was nothing. You know, uh it's the it's the dude that jumped in the water to go get that ring for you and your fiance, man. That's 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 a real best man right there. If there was a visible animal around
1: the boat. Like you saw Finn, would you ju- would you jump in and get that ring?
0: Hell no. Hell no. You? No. Yeah, no. No. They'd be like, "Hell no." No, no 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 no, 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 no. Hell to the no. <laughs> no. Not happening. I'm like, "Oh, man, that's terrible, man." That's or I'd make the dude that threw the the ring in there, go get it. Just toss him. You better sink or swim. See you? See that? Yeah. That's your mistake right there. You fixed yep. that. There you go. Go get it. All right. Hey, uh, you know, just like every single week, we like to end on something positive, something, uh, you know, that kind of makes your your your, you know, your heart warm up. And uh, so this week we have a a father and daughter who are going to be, uh, you know, practicing some cheers. And uh, it's just I'll let you take a look.
1: Are you okay? Did that hurt? But hey, you see how you never straddled?
0: You didn't go for a straddle right there, okay? Okay. And that was kind of dangerous. So make sure you go for the right skill, okay? Because okay. if I say pull up and then straddle, and you do a pull up and you don't straddle, you're going to fall. Okay. But Daddy will always save you. I won't let you hit the ground like that, okay? okay. Um, but make sure you follow instructions, okay? Give my big kiss.
1: Are you ready to get it? You okay? Wipe those tears off. I got you.
2: Hi, Instagram. A new Let's
0: get it. Big smile. Double up. One, two. Good, drop full up to a straddle. Kick out now. Good Hand ski. One, two, lock out. Good, one, two. Good. stretch. Lock out your leg, Prep. Double down, go toes.
1: Woo, clean.
0: Clean, wow. I mean, that's just you know, I have a daughter, and I love I love, you know, obviously, the the whole Kobe accident, right? and and the girl dad thing that kind of came out of that, it just it really it like took it to another level, I think for a lot of dads out there and how much they can mean to their daughters and how much of an example they can be for them. And uh, to see this this young man and his daughter, uh, you know, she she had a little turbulence. she she kind of she, you know she struggled for a second. She kind of lost her focus, and he was able to comfort her and rebuild her. Build her back up to the queen that she is. Boom, beautiful moment. And just that whole routine,
1: like how I mean clean it was. I wasn't I, expecting that. Like after the the first mistake, thought okay, well maybe they're they're just working on small things, and eventually it will lead to what we saw was the final product. And then he just said, "No, you gotta. You should have straddled. You didn't go for this. Yeah, built built up her confidence, and then they went and did the whole routine. And I'm like."
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, what was what? your what what was your thought when she went into that first handstand and he's like holding her up like this and she's like, I was what? And then she he flipped her onto her feet and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is way more intense than I thought it was going to be. That's that's for sure. I wonder how many times
1: they have practiced that because she's a very young girl, and they seem like they have perfected that. I don't know, and that's that's just awesome right there for sure.
0: And it, and I don't know if it's a theme, but you
1: also have a father daughter combo. This this wasn't planned, honestly. Um I saw this picture that that came across the the Twitter timeline earlier today and somebody had the caption, "Fellas, are you doing this with your daughter?" And in so many people were like, "Hell yes, I'm doing this with my daughter." For our listeners who are listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and can't see this image, it is just a photo of a dad and a daughter, and both of them are wearing tutus. So, you know, he's trying to be this father figure that's just always around in his daughter's life and is willing to do everything that she's tra- trying to do. And if that means put on a tutu, then so be it. And I there are so many toxic, masculine, macho guys out there that that are just that, – that they have too much pride that they mm. wouldn't even – do something close like that. And I think that's where maybe sometimes, you know, a daughter and father's relationship can have a a gap. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but you have to be willing to just apply yourself to what your daughter is doing and to see guys that are just willing to just have fun and be a part of the process. That is a great father right there. The two guys that we just saw are fantastic.
0: I think one of the things about being a dad um and, and Justin I hope you get you you get to to experience this one to. day as, as I sure you guys know, ladies he hey he came on he's available now um but I think one of the things that that I appreciate is I used to think in a very um old school kind of way when it came to raising kids right and I started off with two boys right off the bat and so you know boys are boys you're you're rough with them you're tough with them and they bounce back and all this other stuff, right? And I thought I would have to take a different approach with my daughter. And I have to a degree, right? But I quickly f- realized that if my daughter grew up and all she knew was me being like just this strict disciplinarian, then that's exactly who she would probably try to go after in life, Um, you know, to mirror that. And yeah. I didn't like that. I didn't like that. I needed somebody... I needed to be somebody that I would be happy my daughter would want to be with someday, you know what I mean? Or at least mirror that those kind of um, personality traits. So I actually went through a, a whole kind of identity rehab myself and kind of looked deep down inside and, and, you know, sometimes you have to go to counseling and kind of exercise some of those demons and try to, to figure out why you act a certain way and how can you better yourself as you move forward? And I think everybody needs to do that you know, kind of have to reset and take a look. And I think this is a perfect example of something that I've actually tried to do myself is, you know, be a little bit more um, open and vulnerable Vulnerable Um, because it's okay. It's okay to understand that your man has a weakness or that your daughter has a weakness and um, it's okay to have a partner that is able to help them get through that. And I think that's the most important part. And this father putting on a tutu and not acting like, yo, I'm too macho for this is an example for his daughter to grow up and understand that like all because you wear a tutu doesn't define who you are. Yeah. It's just something that you're doing to please somebody else because you have a good heart and that's the message. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I I think that's, it's just a beautiful thing.
1: It is. And you know, my brother just welcomed uh, his daughter uh, in September and I can't believe that she's almost about to be a year old and time time flies but one thing that I've noticed about my brother is he has become vulnerable. It's not it hasn't gotten to the point because obviously she's still an infant to where, you know, he's dressing up in a tutu or having tea parties with her, but you can totally tell the moment that my niece was born, there was a switch that flipped with my brother and he became vulnerable and his heart just became so soft and it's so crazy to think like, man, that was my brother. Like, this is my brother. Like if, if I were to show you my brother from four years ago and, and sh- show you the guy now, it's completely night and day or heck, yeah. even two years ago, it, it's night and day having a kid and having a daughter completely changes you. And I'll tell you
0: what a, a man's weakness is not a woman. A man's weakness is a daughter if he has one, because I guarantee she has him wrapped around her little finger because I know my daughter does me and uh, I couldn't be happier about it. I'll give her anything she wants 10 times over. So yeah. again, this week, major announcement. Again, we have to make sure that you know this, please download the pod. We'll share some clips on social media, but Sarah Spain joining us in the house this week, ESPN host, radio host, TV personality and, and writer. Uh, she's an amazing individual. She does such great work. She has great thoughts and insight all, all the way across the board. She's not afraid to call people out. She's not afraid to answer the tough questions. And she's going to be here this week. We couldn't be happier. Major shout out to Mike Yam this past week for joining us as well. Uh, you know these these people are uh, are busy, right? They're busy with their their day jobs, if you will, and they come on out of the graciousness of their heart. We don't pay them. We don't we don't ask them. We just ask for. Um, you know, some participation and they've obliged greatly. And we, we can't be uh, more thankful for that. So thanks to both those individuals um, for what they have done and what they will do. And uh, again, you can download that all over our social platforms, but Justin, go ahead and tell them where they can find us.
1: First of all, we can't say Sarah Spain without doing the, (laughs) we we had to do the hip hop horn for Sarah Spain. We did it at the beginning of the podcast. We got to do it at the end.
0: At least it wasn't this. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> we had to get that in there we one more time, it. man.
1: But we we're gonna have Sarah Spain on the next podcast, so please, please, please download Total BS Podcast. Subscribe. Did you, did you, did you forget did. what
0: our podcast is called?
1: I almost did. I, I had a brain fart. <laughs> I almost called it. I almost called it my other podcast for the Arizona Daily Star. But I I had a brain fart. So make sure you subscribe to the Total BS Podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify and for the sunday night throwdown that we always do every weekend make sure you subscribe to us on youtube give us a like on facebook twitter and instagram as well but sarah spain this week subscribe apple spotify
0: share with all your friends because it's going to be an incredible podcast it's gonna be a fun time we can't wait to bring it to you this week until next time we'll see you when you see you peace
1: it's just part of the program. Spit your best 16 if you must. You're not whack. You just sound whack rapping after us. Yo, your fans just might turn into off fans. Be cool, it's just a part of this program. Spit your best 16 if you must. You're not whack. You just sound whack rapping after us.